life on the road. It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Yeah, like. Give me a test. Hey, how you doing? Right, Maybe just one of us. Yep, that's me. Hey, hey, hey. Yep. Sentence. Give me Pretty sentence. normal. Uh, you know, uh, this is about the volume I speak. Oh yeah, we have uh, to stop whispering. We left. Yeah, right. The we're, baby's inside. I'm like, I'm like shh. It's sleeping. We're end up at Whole Foods. So, did you want some right. yeah. <laughs> Whispering. Is it, do you live on the west side? Yeah. We're in Vernon Hills right now. Shh. <laughs> Keep it down. The kids sleep. It's the only time I have to myself. Because, you know, they have growth spurts when they sleep. We went through this. We did. Covered it. <laughs> um... You know what we're doing today, right? Sure. Okay, Road cool. stories. Man. Yeah, yeah, man. All right. I think that's good. Thanks for tuning in the Road Stories Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, uh, Murray Valeriano, part of All Things Comedy. Real quick, I don't want to bore you, Hal, with... Do what you got to do. Uh, uh, um, thanks. Uh, all right. So I'm part of All Things Comedy, and they're great. Bill Burr's awesome, and Al Madrigal put some really cool shit together. But when my album came out last Friday, everybody, part of All Things Comedy, tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super cool. Um, so just a shout out to those guys. I did and, too. <laughs> and I just ran into you at a restaurant I know. for 15 years. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then Hal tweeted about it too. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, shit, that's Murray. Tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I, when I looked you up, I was like, oh, he's got an album out. Oh, good. Okay, well, I'll just pop that up and see if anybody wants to see it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Thanks yeah. so much. Joining me today, comedian Hal Sparks and actor. It's true. And it's true. Uh, now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to Hal besides uh, maybe three hellos. Yeah. Maybe running into you in the clubs in what, 15 years? Something like that. 15 years. At least years. 13. At least 13. I think it's closer to that because I think maybe during tail end of Talk Soup or beginning of QAF when I was coming back to LA or whatever, I did a few open mics and you were running a room and I think I might have run into you at one of those. Okay. But that's it. All right. And that was like you running around with a clipboard organizing the evening. So oh, okay. it wasn't like, wow. hey, let's catch up after six years, whenever it had been the last stop before that. Was it one of those clipboards? Oh, yeah. <laughs> For those of you at home, he has a stack about three feet high, not a piece of stitch of paper on him. Nope. He just burns through them like Jerry Lewis does socks <laughs> yeah. and never use a clipboard twice. <laughs> oh, that's Jerry. for poor people. <laughs> Jerry Lewis burns his socks. It, yeah, he only wears he he wears socks a pair a pair of socks once and throws them out. Really? Yeah. What a great piece of knowledge to have. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's one of those. And, and apparently, it's like a poverty thing. Like uh-huh. it's like some big. I'm never gonna wear the you know because like uh, he, he had to wear a pair of socks. Probably had to wear depression. yeah yeah. He wore one pair of socks for his teen years, yeah, kind of so thing. Yeah, I'm the same way with food. Never eat the same piece of food never twice. Eat the same piece of food twice. <laughs> Once I've consumed it and it's been through my Dude, digestive tract, I'm not going back. From 13 to 17, the same ham. <laughs> just <laughs> gnarly. Cycling it. Oh, you're the inverse. <laughs> yeah. You just eat that, right? No, because oh, I. Oh, you know, now you don't do it. Anymore. When I first got out here, I was so poor and like did literally didn't know oh, when I was. <laughs> I was so poor. You let me put it this way: you can't get Domino's to deliver to your car. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, so I just so now like I see my kid playing with his food and it drives me bananas. You know, do you realize how? Don't much you understand? You have anyway. If you had a frontal cortex on your prefrontal lobe <laughs> that was actually more mass than jelly, and you actually had a moral center, you would understand that. <laughs> You wouldn't flick those fucking peas away. Yeah. One day, good shot. One day, you're right. yeah. Wait, sorry, honey. Meanwhile, my uh, wife's doing the goalie thing right. at the other end of the what? table. Well, you guys just want to well, same page. Don't encourage him. Same page. Um, we should talk about how we met. I think it's because uh, it's we met. I have a weird story on how I got there. How did you get there? So we the met at the house. ice house, yeah. in Pasadena, all those years ago. Uh. I, at that time, I'd come out. I'd done Second City in Chicago. And um, when I got out there, I was like, okay, I can't tour very much. but And I need to stay in town for auditions mm-hmm. and the like. Because you were already working. We were young. Yeah. We were very, but you were already uh, working stand-up. Yeah. I started when I was 15. I right. started touring when I was 17. Like, mostly Midwest. Anywhere mm-hmm. I could drive from Chicago. Sure. And then some outlier flight gigs later I won the funniest teenager in Chicago contest when I was 17 mm-hmm. from that I booked some gigs including a gig out here in LA which is how I booked my first acting gig okay. that shit like that so um, but when I got out here I was like there was a period where I was touring and trying to audition and all this stuff and I just had this like half fantasy half like focus mentality of like I gotta stay in town and find a way to continually perform as a comedian and L.A. just, but for shit open mics, right. does not have, it's not like New York where you can do three sets at a legit club every single night. It just doesn't exist. Sure. Didn't then, it doesn't now. That still doesn't, yeah. So, um, improv was the other option. Mm-hmm. The only house in town was Groundlings, and there was Acme. Acme is okay. Actually has a really great writer's program. It's actually Yeah, Acme is really good, yeah place for it and I have a chip on my shoulder about the fucking groundlings that I can't stand them and maybe it's second city versus you know kind of a Yankees Red Sox thing yeah but it really it really boils down to the seems the point of the groundlings is to make really take really talented comic performers and make them sit down and do waiter sketches yeah, well, I think we both share that kind of because yeah. uh, I'm not a, a I'm not a big fan of their comedy and I'm not a big fan of their uh, money making machine. Either. Yeah, it's so. it, it's like it's the Scientology of improv. <laughs> it is fuck them. Having anyway, said that, a lot of my good friends are, are groundlings though, so I can't. Yeah, I, I have some friends who are alcoholics too, or whatever. It has <laughs> no, no bearing whatsoever. On that. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so um, there was uh, shows going on at the Ice House. And the woman who ran it, and I, mm-hmm. you'll probably remember, but I blitz on her fucking I just, name. I can see her, but I don't remember yeah, her right. name. She, they ran a class that you could take, and from the class, the class could perform. At the, it's the same way I got stand-up gigs at the fucking improv. I couldn't get a gig at the improv to save my life. That was one of the clubs. That was the club I wanted to be my home club. Sure. Bud wouldn't put me up. I mm-hmm. like I would go in there, do a, you know, whatever. And I was like, it, I just couldn't get in the room. And so I took their stand-up class because mm-hmm. it gave me a tape oh, from the improv. Okay. It was just an end run around it. Sure. And then and now you know Bud insists on in, in, introducing me when I go up. I know so, this young man, <laughs> an acting queerest folk, a pivotal blah, blah, blah. Like you fucker. I like. Do you ever have to bring him up? Uh, introduce Bud? Uh, yeah. No. I had to. He's, he's, he's like Murray. Will you uh, bring? Oh, we're in Vegas. Will you? Will oh, you bring yeah. me up? But make sure you know. Pr- you know. Egg me on. Make me on to get up. I'm like, right. okay. So I'm like, uh, all right. Before I get out of here, I'm gonna bring up a. 
<laughs> oh, hey, bud. Hey, bud. <laughs> How you doing? Right monocle there. flew off and <laughs> stuck in my forehead. <laughs> but I love bud. He's great. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife are awesome. And, well, I helped him. Uh, I gave him an award at the Cabo Comedy Festival oh, just cool. last Ooh. year. Like, okay. Yeah, year, year before last because the last hurricane washed out because of the hurricane. <laughs> um, and, uh, it, like, it was awesome. I, I, was, I was so sad they didn't uh, go back. Anyways, don't want to digress. So this woman who ran the room... Um, how she got the reins of this room is anybody's guess. Totally the least funny human being in the world. Right. Knew nothing about it. Remember, she was trying to jumpstart this, like a TV show out yes, of it. Yes, 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 yes. wanted to film some of our sketches, and it was just a fucking travesty. But it was the, separate from the Ice House. Like, she somehow. She had access to this soundstage on Santa Monica. Which was right across the street, yeah, by the way, from which was actually a, a rehearsal space for bands that my band now used. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. But across the street, and in a building that is literally was laid derelict by the earthquake, <laughs> she, she yes, had a that. class going on in the, and of course, one of the upstairs rooms. Uh huh. Because um, I guess the idea is that it's, it's less scary because it won't land on you. Right. Land on the people <laughs> yeah, below. land on the people below. She had this class, and if you took the class, you could get a performance there. Oh, okay. And so uh, I took a class. After a while, I and one other person were the only people who continued to show up for the fucking mm-hmm. class. So it kind of like almost she owed us to mm-hmm. let us be able to do it. And then we started to mish, like mishmash in with this sketch group that was down there and then it, that bifurcated into our group mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's where I met Chris Bono it's where I met Judy uh, Tolles right, right. it's where I met Ken Polk of course right. another reason why I hate the fucking groundlings two of those people are dead yeah jeez yeah and Judy created Sex in the City by way of Casual Sex the movie oh that's right and to keep from getting sued um, HBO gave her a consultantship on, the, on Sex in the City for the run Oh, that's right. Big, okay, I didn't know that's how yeah. that worked. Okay. And yeah, and Judy Judy was like the linchpin of what you would think of as alternative comedy in this mm-hmm. city for a while. She knew everybody in that. Beth Lapidus and Kathy mm-hmm. Griffin and Margaret Cho and Patton and all those people. Because she had written, okay. didn't she write a movie? Didn't she write? She wrote Casual Sex. Casual she Sex, wrote, that's right. Uh, um, they did one other too, but um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm blitzing on the other name. But. All right. Um, so how I got into it, yeah. what completely different story. I had just gotten out here, mm-hmm. zero next to zero experience except for playing basically in bands and stuff, any right. kind of uh, stand up or sketch or improv. And um, I ended up taking a different class. And one of the guys who was in that class was a guy who would go around to different classes poaching people to bring into his own class. Right, <laughs> right. So there's so you can already scam people with classes, but you can also scam them by going into other classes and taking them out and getting taking them to pay you, people, right? taking only the good people to get them to pay you to do that. So I went with him, and he he got he we put together a sketch show, me and like nine other people, I guess, and which ended up all being his uh, stuff huh. that we would perform, which was interesting, <laughs> even though we would come in with sketches every day. Right. Anyway, he turned out to be I don't. I, I rarely, I'll talk shit about somebody, but on the sly, you know, right. I'll rare, I, I think maybe two or three people that I will be like, that guy's a snake, stay away from him. Right, right. Maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, and he's one of them. Yeah. And so anyway, he ended up pissing that woman off who ran the room and fired him. But she's like, hey, if you guys want to stay, yeah. you can stay. So... That was all I had. Yeah. Like I had nothing. I was in between jobs. I was. I barely. I just gotten out of my car. I moved in with that guy. So right. this is going to get awkward. Wow. <laughs> so I was living like one of his little closets, 
and he gets fired and she's like well you guys can stay so i'm like i'm gonna stay is that gonna be a problem he's like no that won't be a problem or whatever anyway he kicked me out three weeks later but i was <laughs> i so his show got canceled yeah. so i was just taking the bus from hollywood to pasadena right. every friday and saturday night right. just hoping to get on stage and i would get on stage and then that's where i met you yeah and then somebody else got fired, and then I remember that woman said, can you guys have a show on Friday? Yeah, and we were like, okay. Okay, and then Thursday night, we met at your house, yeah. and we wrote a show that ran for, like, what, year and a half? Yeah, yeah, we were the house act for 13 months, and that yeah. was after we'd been up for three. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So that turned um, out to be... we ended up booting off the whoever was on after us at the very beginning, and ended up doing two shows a night. Oh, that's, yeah, two shows a night. So that was a, that was a tooth pull. Um, but that was like, we were like a... Band. I was thinking about this today yeah. when uh, I was getting my hair cut for this. No, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. It's important. Yeah, hey, yeah I, I got... shaved for the podcast. Oh, that was well. nice. I forgot to tell you it was audio. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't matter. <laughs> oh, you'd shave anyway? Mm -hmm. That's how much you care about the craft of the microphone? Well, you can... I, I, I think you can hear it. <laughs> it's very breezy. There's, right. no, there's no friction in your voice at all. No, yeah, it's muffled. <laughs> it it kind of creates a little bit of... Yes, Did he grow a goatee? Did he not <laughs> right. shave today? That doesn't right. sound like him I normally. Hear rustling <laughs> set your lip um we were like a band because you and i yeah. at least you and i yeah. probably hung out every day for almost two years because yeah. you would come pick me up right. and we would either write or try to do some sort of promo or just mm -hmm. go grab lunch or, or whatever yeah. so yeah that was what was it it was a daily grill or was a place of, if i can i just remember that those two years in my spine smell like uh Grilled zucchini. Oh yeah, the daily grill. <laughs> the, the, the I was like, the, they threw that shit on everything. They were like the first <laughs> people to jump on that bandwagon. They're like the memories of it are like my my Mitsubishi Montero increasingly oh, yeah. filling up with props. Yeah, <laughs> to where it just muscling. Like it used to be able to have two people sitting in the back seat. Right, we right. all wanted to carpool in, but after a while, it was like just you and me, or just you and Rob, or you know, I'm like, like pressed up against this window. Just go, do we really need the hockey stick? <laughs> Trust me, it's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> all right, you sure? It's uh, jabbing in my ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was working at Cafe Luna then with Michelle Clooney. Oh wow! Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she went on to be. Uh, she was on uh, Queer as Folk also, yeah, right? She, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She, now she's she, one of my co-stars. Now she has. She had Brian Singer's baby. Yes, she did. Right. She's carrying. She carried his I think child. She, I think it's out, isn't it? Yes. I run into her in the weirdest places. Th that's true of everyone. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> if you run into Michelle, you're oh, in a okay. weird place. I thought I was running into everybody in weird places. psychologically, <laughs> career-wise, whatever. It's an odd place. It's like, this. I never thought I would end up here. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. It's <laughs> just how it is. She. That's where she hangs. That's uh, how she is. Um, well, if you're listening to Michelle, God bless you. I hope you the baby's she, awesome. She, uh, and She's not listening. No. Um Although oh, she saw both actually, of our names, she might listen. No, if she heard her name, she would listen. Oh, oh <laughs> that's oh, right, yeah. Michelle. No, no, no. Michelle will perk up the second you mention her in any way. She is the classic actress in that regard. But um, don't we all? And I don't know why I'm defending Michelle on this. No, but no, don't no, we? Whenever I pretend not to care. He, oh, you know what I mean? Oh. I have the ability to go. Oh, they're talking about me. Oh, hmm. <laughs> she I'm just going to play go, with this. Hey, are you guys talking about me? I heard my name. <laughs> she really would, and the, I love her for that. I used to give her leg massages in my uh, dressing room at Queer's Folk, which mm. was really a trailer, which is great when you're doing nude scenes when you have to walk from a trailer outside to the studio through Canadian snow. You did nude scenes? Oh, yeah. I never watched Queer's Folk because I didn't have cable. Yeah, lots of simulated sex. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 
Huh. Lots of it. Is that weird? Uh, mm, no. All right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, all sex scenes are weird because all sex scenes are like they're like simulating sex with a cousin on the Thanksgiving dinner table in front of your entire family. That's the best example. Is cousin hot? Huh? Cousin hot? Uh, you don't know. Oh. Because uh, like you're either they're generally not there. Generally, yeah. Generally, you're blindfolded, and you're kind of like I don't know what, whether I'm into this or not because okay. the character might be into it, and you're not, mm-hmm. or you might not be. In, the character might not be into it, and that's what you're selling or whatever. So no. you're always, you know, dichotomous from what's going on. Uh-huh. It's very odd. The only sex scene I ever did is we did a stage adaptation of Emmanuel. Oh, sure. The soft porn, Emmanuel. Yeah, sure, sure. And we made it family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and when it came to sex, instead of having sex, we'd shake hands. <laughs> That's hilarious. So that was, it wasn't my, I was just casting it. Was it, it. a sensual shaking of hands? Was it in slow motion with kind of a, a soft gel in the background? <laughs> yeah, right. and that really bad <laughs> French music. Long <laughs> soundtrack. <of> just. <laughs> Oh, Jean-Paul. Yeah, took took forever. And right about when you're about to let go, you cut. Yeah, yeah. Right? You never let the handshake break at the end. You never see the final. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So we have to. I remember bending over my actress girl I was working with, Chris McGaha. Oh, of course. Of course. There you go. Everything comes around. Yeah. She stuck her hand through the back of her legs, and that was... And you shook hands. (laughs) shook hands back. That's weird. It was family. Did I mention it was family friendly? Sure. Yeah. Uh, We bring the kids. My show uh, was not. Not family friendly. I don't... I didn't have cable during that time, I don't think. Yeah. So... Was was, uh, was that Showtime? Serious, but yes, it was. It was serious mm-hmm. business. No, but no. Michelle is uh, is a awesome and and b a really quality actor who takes what she's doing incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and Taya Gill, I credit with in many ways being the best actors on Queer as Folk, if only because they were both total flibberty gibbets in real life, just like <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, giggly actors, just not paying attention, and then clicked right in. Especially right. Taya, who's like her character's like the Earth Mother, uh-huh. but without that on she's like uh um julianne moore at the end of still alice <laughs> it's just like where am i what's going on who are you who am i <laughs> uh you might be the second person i know who's used the phrase flibber to gibbet oh, and i don't even know the second person that second person was meg ryan <laughs> from joe versus the volcano that's right i'm a flibber to gibbet <laughs> What an underrated movie! Seriously, I love that movie. That John movie Patrick is awesome. Family's a genius. Oh, that's right. That's Moon, right. Moonstruck and um, Doubt. He wrote Doubt. Uh, the, the Catholic play. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I saw the play. I didn't see the movie. Yeah, yeah. He wrote that. Okay. Um, and I love. Joe I, I sound like an asshole. <laughs> I saw the play. I didn't see the movie. Right. <laughs> Douche um, over here. You just sound like you're sitting at an, a gathering, a, a live NPR show. Oh, okay. Then I, I really do see, sound I like didn't a douche. See the movie, but I did. I, <laughs> I saw the play. Well, Westfield last. We're members. <laughs> We're members. Right. <laughs> you certainly are. Hey, um, <laughs> how did how did you're obviously a straight guy, yes. right? I think yes. Unless you came out of the closet yeah. the last fifteen years, <laughs> right? <laughs> Plenty of time. Hey. in that time you could come out and go back, go back in. in. Nobody would ever know. Out. I don't know if your kids adopted. Um, how did that affect? Did that affect queers folk? Because we both split out of our group and went on to mm-hmm. do stand up. Yeah. Uh, did that affect your stand up crowd at all? Did that? It did actually. It there was a big portion where my uh, audience, uh, you know, a, a big chunk of the audience was coming because they knew me from queers folk. But my personality in real life, and this has nothing to do with gay or straight, but just 
personality, just mm-hmm. energy. My stage personality, my regular personality are not different at all. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly louder on stage and not because there's a mic, but because I get caught up in what I'm doing. But other than that... Projecting. I'm, yeah, it's exactly the same person. Mm-hmm. Michael on Queer as Folk was... Uh, in many ways, sort of a beaten down, nebbishy kind yeah. of a fellow. And he's not me at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of the acting I did on that, but it created an odd dichotomy in the brains of the people who were coming to see me. And they, some of them literally had this look on their face like, you have murdered my friend and replaced him <laughs> with an imposter. Right. See in your trunk, <laughs> you evil man. And you could see it. And it took them a while to really come around. Because mm-hmm. it... Because to them, I'm sure if they didn't know me from Talk Soup or from any, like, at that time I started doing the I Love This, I learned the lesson that, that you know, uh, your name, especially if you're stand-up, even if you're going to act, whatever else you're going to do, your name and your face are the most valuable aspects, that they must be aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, so that people don't go, oh, that guy, or... I know that name because they know right. the album, but they don't know what you actually look like. Those oh, okay. are super important touring-wise. And because of Queer as Folk, there was this like people yelling Michael when they saw me. And, uh-huh. and it's the weirdest thing when somebody calls you another name right. when you're walking in public. Because if you don't turn around, you're a dick. <laughs> but if you turn around and they're actually yelling at someone named Michael, you're a fucking egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's not like your name's like Zimbodi, where no, there's only not, one. Right, you have the not, most common name. Yeah, at least Zoltan and Dude Where's My Car. I was like, okay, that must be me, unless right. there's a player for the pirates walking around right, or right. something. Um, but that was... It, it, it did like the audience coming to see me was very effective and they would come sometimes they would come up and go why don't you talk about the show in your act and I'm like because I'm doing stand up mm-hmm. this isn't a Q&A this isn't like a meet and greet or something right. this is my act and it has a meaning to me um, I talk about the subjects that we talk about I was mm-hmm. very pro gay marriage and pro gay rights in my stuff but I do it in a much more subtle way that's more cutting I think against the people in my audience who might not feel that way because if you, you know I learned during the Bush years that one of the ways you could, even if the audience agreed with you about your Bush joke, if they were inclined to either be on his side or favor his policies or even believe that if you laugh at him, the terrorists win bullshit. Right. If you said the word Bush um, in presidential context. Child, yeah, no, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't start, if I had started doing stand-up in the 70s, this would have been a much more <laughs> difficult road to hoe, as it were. <laughs> but, now you say Bush and all the girls go, what? Yeah, right. I don't know. The that, president? Interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, when, as soon as women started completely shaving their vaginas, men started growing goatees. It's like there has to be hair in the equation somewhere. <laughs> but um, uh, there, there was this element of, beg your pardon, there was an element of um, my character ha- I just had to make sure that people knew that who I was and my name as a stand-up was um, almost isolated, firewall uh-huh. from my acting career. Mm-hmm. Protected, as it were, at least for a time. And that's why I chose to do the I Love the 70s and I Love the 80s and I Love the 90s. I did all of those. You know why I did them? You know the main reason? When I first signed up, they didn't even know what I Love the 80s was. They right. literally didn't know what they were going to do. When they pitched the show, they were like, we're going to go to Red Carpets. And we're going to ask Brad Pitt about the Rubik's Cube. And we're going to cut that together. And we'll have a couple of comics and mm-hmm. famous people mention stuff in studio. So you come down and do it in studio. And we just need you for a half hour. I went down there and I did two eight-hour days. Jeez. They just, I didn't, impro- I just improv everything I said. Mm-hmm. 
And they called back a week later and they're like, do you want to do the second half of the decade? We were only going to do, you know, parse shit out. And then they called in Mo and they called in Patton and mm-hmm. they called in like six other people like, ah, this is the show. This is what we're going to do. Patton even says, he like credits me for jump starting his career at that point. Oh, yeah. Because he, he started doing those as well in the early uh, part, and then he went off and did King of Queens. Well, that did spread. I mean, those were, I never did I Loves, but that spawned yeah. so many. I did 20 th- 25 things you didn't yeah. know about so-and-so, and 10 of these. Fucking and, True TV has them about murderers. Right, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and they're still going on. Mm-hmm. It's a really effective, you know, it's funny that, like, <clears throat> YouTube... Because I have a YouTube channel, and I'm really trying to, like, this is the year I really want to blow it up into something uh-huh. because I feel like there's a freedom to it. And as a stand-up, it's a more effective tool for voicing stuff because it is single person a uh-huh. lot of times. You can do interviews and that kind of stuff, but you really can take stuff. You go, you know what? Prepping this for the stage might not work. It's a little too removed. Yeah. But I can do it right now and put it up online, and you'll get and it can be both promo for what my act is like when you come see me live, and uh-huh. also a furtherance of my comic ideals. And I think that's kind of so. Anyways, I started working on that, and I was looking at like some of the other like YouTube stars, quote unquote, that are really like printing money. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing, and a good portion of what they're doing, like the the Fine Brothers show, is basically I love the they just oh, really? YouTube stars to talk about other YouTube clips. It's like. Tosh meets right. I love the eighties, but they're doing it with other YouTubers. Right. And and so that that format has just blown the doors up everything. It's so funny, like it, and it's it's who blows the doors because you reference Tosh, but Tosh, I was on the same show with Bill Ingvall before Tosh, which kind of started the whole, oh, we can grab YouTube stuff and then that then Tosh got right. it and then again I went to work on fifteen other shows. Right. I, did, <laughs> I did a pilot for VH1 after the I Love the 80s Mm -hmm. called Pop Shot Mm -hmm. and it was about we're just like joking on everything that was popular in in four different genres and the last segment was internet Mm -hmm. stuff and at that point it was like you know AOL download almost right so we're talking 99, 2000 uh, 2001, I think, and and in you know in 2001, I was it, it there was not that much to pull from, and it was a much more narrow focus thing, and everybody was like, I don't know, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> show clips that are on the computer, like right. it was really you had to hand walk people through that yeah. shit. That became uh, they took that segment from my pilot and put Patrice O'Neill on it and turned that into oh. traditional. Tosh was really a ripoff of that Patrice right, right. act. It's almost like Jim Jeffries act. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you know, I, th- I think did Patrice leave it to him in his will or? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't. You know what? I like Jim Jeffries. I've never watched more than five minutes of him, mm-hmm. and I got nothing. I yeah, don't know. Like if you want, is he ripping it, off a lot of Patrice? It's in it's, your opinion. I mean, it's nothing. Patrice didn't say better and longer. I for a good long. Time. In defense of Jim Jeffries, who I do not know, right? I tweeted a joke. About not being able to spell restaurant, mm-hmm. something like uh, mm-hmm. it always takes. You know, I can never spell restaurant the same way. It took me eight times to write this tweet, or right. something like that. Yeah. And then I was surfing uh, Patrice O'Neill clips, and he does a whole bit on uh, if his mother was held at gunpoint and he was told to spell restaurant <laughs> that right. she would be dead. Right. So, so maybe there's a little, I'm saying there's a little parallel thinking. That's, I don't know. That's a singular joke. Uh-huh. And oh. I think that happens more often than not. Sure. I'm talking about thematic overall. Oh, like interesting. Every aspect of it, you know. Mm. The whole, uh, like... Well, an, an Australian white guy has a lot to do with a black guy from uh, it's Brooklyn. It's a lot safer to, if you're 
coming up in Australia, Ireland, or, mm-hmm. or or Europe, and you're watching an American stand-up, nope, you're a long way. Oh, well, like, yeah. You know, it's, like, it's like that fucking dude who, when we used to do Kindness of Strangers doing stand-up, and this dude comes in and goes, that Bible bit you did kills in Florida. And I was like, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. Right, what right. Did you say? Yeah. I ended up throwing him out. Yeah. Like, we ended up walking him to the door and like, get the fuck out of here. Huh. You're not coming in here and watching anybody else's act. Because he was just, he was like pulling pieces from people's acts. Oh, nice. He's just doing them on the road because he's so far away, nobody there knew that we were, I mean, I had that thing happen with that that uh, GQ joke. In the top 100, GQ did this top 100 jokes of all time. Uh-huh. And the number four joke is mine, uh-huh. attributed to Bill Maher, because three of these politically incorrect writers used to come to the kindness and sit in the back and fucking steal jokes. I know one of them. I won't <laughs> say his name, but right. I know one of them. Oh, interesting. And uh, so I had this Kevorkian joke, which was, um, you know, physicians-assisted suicide is just a terminally ill person's way of saying to God, you can't fire me, I quit. Right. Which I loved. And it was number four in the fucking GQ top 100 jokes of all this before I was famous, so I had no protection. I had no safeguard. Uh-huh. It was just a guy throwing jokes up. And they just walked with, like, ver fucking bait him. Hmm. It ended up on Politically Incorrect. Oh, all right. Um, and, and Mar actually had mentioned it years later. And he was cool about it. He was like, yeah, we had to get rid of a bunch of those guys because we found oh, out really? what they were doing. Oh, interesting. Um, when you, just one quick question regarding. Uh, Queer's folk again. Uh, like I've worked. Uh, who's the guy who played Butch? Butch Biff, Tom Wilson, Tim oh, Wilson, yeah, Tom, Tom Wilson. Wilson. Sure. Tom Wilson opens up. With, I'm not Biff. I'm not Biff. Right. Song. Perfect. Shuts everybody down. Mm-hmm. He's just another comedian for the next 45 minutes mm-hmm. to an hour. Did you have to do anything like that? No. I'm not. Mike. I can't because they can't overline. And it would appear as if I'm backing away. Uh-huh. Nobody gives a shit if you're trying to convince people that you're not in real life a bully. Right, okay. But if you're like, if your essentially opening bit is, I'm not that gay guy, that's how it will be heard. Oh, interesting. You, it, won't, it won't help anybody. Right. It's, it, you know, it'd be wrong to do anyways, but it also won't serve its purpose. The essence of it is I have Especially to, if you took the title and said, I'm not that queer guy. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, but you're using the title. I'm not queer as folk. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm um, which glad you The did. question is, how queer are you? Then? <laughs> we're going to split hairs, but then we're back to Bush. The um, the essence of it um, is is that I just had to bulldoze. I had to okay. take my act and bulldoze, which is how I do my act anyway. So mm-hmm. it's kind of okay. Like I don't, I'm not a shoegazer. I don't shuffle the stage. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I. It, 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 I I can be as much of an asshole as I want to be because I run out and I, as, uh, just short of kicking the mic stand over and start yelling at the right. crowd. It's that ballpark. So you just kind of, it, it's like playing in a band in LA. It really is. Because like, when my band plays in LA, I, it, when we first played the Viper Room and some of these other places, half the guys in the audience are fucking guitar players. Sure. They're in bands already and they're, or they're waiting to go up that night. Right. And they're sitting there. And, oh, you had to do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're listening to the show. And they're watching your left hand. They're not really paying attention to right. songs or whatever. And I took it as a point of pride that by the end of our set, they're throwing horns or they're banging their heads or they're listening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're like impressed. You can tell. And afterwards, they'll come up and say something. Same thing kind of had to be true of my stand-up. Like, I got I to gotta be comfortable in that I might have to wear out that first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
is going to be ice skating uphill. Right. Like you just like <laughs> fucking Sisyphus yeah, yeah. on on ice. Right. And and then once <laughs> you can kind of you see the crest, mm-hmm. you know, where everybody gets that way with an audience to some degree is always there. There's always a like, okay, now they're with me. Yeah. And I can kind of go anywhere. And sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it's right up to the last five minutes of your fucking set. Sure. But sometimes it's right away. If you're famous, there's an element of they're with you before they walk in the door. That part, that that vetting that the audience's mind has to go through happens while they're standing in line for the gig. Mm-hmm. They are convincing themselves that they're going to have a good time. So by the time you get on stage, they're already hanging on every word. That's what happens when a comic really gets to like stadium level or big theater. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Hello you know works as a as a punchline right right well seinfeld said you get five minutes of mega stardom and after that you have to be funny uh hmm. but he's a nervous wreck yeah that's true it like that i watched comedian in the same way that i watched the movie punchline and then you know and that's and i read steve martin's books born standing Mm -hmm. up and there are elements nerve wise that are very true like i felt that steve martin's description of what it's like to be on stage was the most like well crafted expression oh yeah what it physically feels like to be on stage and my while my experience intellectually and philosophically is different while i'm up there the the body feel of what he was expressing is so true Mm -hmm. because there's a poised aspect of what you're doing your body is always it's like you're ready to dodge a glass. Right, right. It's just no matter what you're doing, there's an element of this is. You ever had to dodge a glass? Uh huh. Yeah, at the Brat Stop in Wisconsin. The Brat uh, Stop. I used to, I used to do shows when I was 17 years old. I opened for a Blue Oyster Cult cover band. Oh, what were they called? Uh, um, uh, re- uh, Fearful Reapers. Oh, I love it. I love a good cover band name. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I distracted yeah, you there for fear, a second. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Fear the Reaper or something. It was sure, like, yeah, of course. Um, but they and it was like they, people used to chuck shit all the time uh-huh. they just did and um, I did that show I became a regular up there and so I noticed the glasses faded after a while <laughs> first time I was got up there got smaller oh no just yeah, worked right, my way worked my way down to shot glass I must have had a good set yeah right pint glasses are fucked they'll explode <laughs> all over the place but shot glasses just bounce they hit your head they hurt more right but if they you know, well that's another story in and of itself but the um I've never had the experience of, and maybe because I've been doing it so long, mm. I've never had that fuck. What am I gonna do? Thing, in a way of just handling a crowd or material. material. What am I gonna talk about? Uh-huh. Is this joke gonna work? Like I, I hope it does. I'm hopeful mm. about stuff, but I never get like oh, that. Like Seinfeld gets like. He's fucking nervous about mm-hmm. his shit. Like, you read any of the stuff he says about it and all the stuff that the way he talks about stand up, it's almost like he's trying to scare people away from a, <laughs> a, a gold treasure chest that he has. Right. This is fucking full of snakes. And you're like, I don't think so. I think when you open it up in reality, it's just full of gold coins you spend. But you're trying to tell everybody that it's full of fucking scorpions so they don't open it and realize, oh, this fucker right. just, this is easy. Right. And so it's an element of, I don't know whether to believe him or not mm. in that. But he's such a fucking like nervous wreck when he talks about it, especially and you ever see that like comedians driving in cars? Sure. He did the one with Chris Rock. I love Chris. And I think Chris's success comes to the fact that his bits are like songs. Mm-hmm. 
he does he literally has a chorus he goes back to the chorus. oh yeah i love that about yeah. him yeah and and carlin was did his the same way he didn't chorus back but he you know he he referred to them in some cases as songs mm -hmm. and sets he did a like a band set list and at one point he's doing this bit about what uh, i think his his early specials in the round and he's going uh he fucks up a line mm -hmm. he goes some people will come up and ask you what uh what time it is or maybe they'll ask you what time is it which is what he meant right right and he catches himself and he goes man why do i keep getting stuck doing these ballads and he's talking to himself mm -hmm. he's, he's saying this is a slow patch song this is a pacer right this is not the you know the crowd rally bit that i'll end with this is something i'm balloting it and then mm -hmm. it's right for some parts of the audience it's a, it's exactly what they're expecting but i'm stuck because i wanted to put it somewhere and then he fucking shakes his head at it huh it's a beautiful moment if you watch it right i have to look that up um it's yeah it's like his second special on uh -huh. hbo too um but uh so my yeah my experience with that and and i I liked comedian and all that kind of stuff, but if you look at that, like them riding cars, Chris starts to agree with him on some points uh, about jokes and stuff, and I'm like, I don't think he believes it. Yeah, I think he's being nice to Jerry, who's lamenting. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, it's tough. It's like I don't think Chris Rock thinks that part is tough at all. <laughs> if he did, he couldn't do his act the way he does his act. Right. He'd be a shoegazer, or he'd open with something like Patton opens with, which is "I'm drunk, let's go," or you know. Mm -hmm. You know, or or he would to some degree, you know, do pity material like Louis does. Mm -hmm. You know, which is I'm fat and old and my kids suck and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Which I oh, once you're on the road, uh, and this isn't the shit on Louis C.K. because he's fucking obviously printing money, but the I would say a good eighty percent of the comics I opened for early in my career on the road who were the regulars who toured the fuck out of this country. Right, yeah. Did the same act for 10 years, never changed a single joke, and it was all about, I'm over 45 now, my knees suck, my back sucks, I'm <laughs> fat, I eat a bunch of shit, I hate myself, Yeah. my f wife's a bitch, my kids are stupid. Um, the only difference is, is Louis doing that act but calling his kid a cunt. Right. He's using the word cunt for his children instead of, little assholes or yeah, yeah. like the one ratchet up when that guy in fucking 82 you know started saying my my son's a little asshole that was as big as in 2006 calling your daughter a cunt yeah you know what i mean it was sure. just like that kind of thing but those guys were talk about road guys yeah those are the dudes who just fucking had a station wagon and they were just a machine <laughs> and they those guys were the brutalized one like never ask those fuckers for advice oh yeah well depends on who you found Mm -hmm. Usually you get one guy and the other guy, you know, they're just all grizzled and <laughs> you want advice? Buy me a drink. Yeah, that's what I mean. They'll like circle you down. Yeah. Like you, I, don't, I don't want advice. You're not a fucking comic. You're a carny. <laughs> I don't want, scary. I'm See scared. This? I lost this fucking thumb. <laughs> the Brat Hut. Yeah, right. Totally. The Brat Stop in The Brat Stop. Never Wisconsin. worked the Brat Stop. Too late. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny because it is so, like I watched, my, do you know Jackie Cation? Mm. Met. Okay. Don't know. I watched her go up and kind of do the counter to, to that. Like, you know, like like one of her bits is like, you know, I always make sure things are good in the bedroom with me and my wife, with me and my husband, you know, and, and, and she, she kind of dogged on 
comics who go up there and say, my wife and I don't have sex. And anyway, yeah. I hate my wife and my kids suck and all uh -huh. that. And she completely just huge, you know, great set just doing that and the guy behind her came i was like my wife's a bitch my kids suck we don't have it, it was like he didn't even watch right what was going on and yeah, it's a pretty deaf to the yeah yeah night he was on and that dude that happens all the fucking time i don't i just had this do you know kirk fox mm. by any chance i didn't i just worked with him last weekend for the first uh time and he came on after me and he referenced a joke i did we did two shows he referenced a joke i did both times mm -hmm. and i'm like that's and got a big laugh mm -hmm. and that you know that's 20 minutes later yeah you know and i'm like who why wouldn't you watch the guy before you right. why would and i don't know if i, it, I don't know if it came from sitting in the back of the room at the ice house forced to watch because we didn't have a green room right. or whatever but i i um bring my own opener with mm -hmm. me on the road when i tour for a couple of reasons. Chris Bono needs the money. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was the main reason. Uh, Charlene May opens for me as well on the road, um, and I've taken her on a bunch of things too, but I always bring my own for the for a couple of reasons. One is I don't want a, like a local or mid guy who hasn't got a fully formed bit around a topic that I might be addressing, mm -hmm. throw it up in a half-assed, and this is not fearing somebody will be funny. That doesn't That's why I bring somebody who's really fucking funny on the road with me. I don't have a problem with that at all. But if they go up there and go, hey, I went to NASCAR and I have a NASCAR bit. This is just, I don't right now, but for point of reference. Sure. If you go, like, you're planning on doing this NASCAR bit, no matter what it's about. I mean, you could literally go, I, you know, I think NASCAR is great preparation for us. Uh, reversing the polarity of the Earth. They're mm -hmm. literally training all these drivers, and eventually they're going to put something in there so that when the Earth's polarity changes to stop the super volcano, they're going to get all these rednecks to drive backwards in a circle. Whatever the fuck the joke is. It could be totally obtuse and weird like mm -hmm. But the guy who goes up before you goes, those NASCAR outfits are weird, aren't they? Huh? You think that's a good idea? With driving that's it yeah and he's got no joke mm -hmm. there's no real thought put into it he's just mentioning it because it's in town or whatever the fuck you're like well I just I'm gonna drop even my bit has nothing to do with what he's talking about he said the word that kind of deflates what I'm talking sure. about sure it just I, I just don't do it so I pre I'm aware of what my openers act is right so that I'm not and if they have a bit that is better than the angle I'm going on on something else that I was talking about, if I'm just softly mentioning it, I will say it, uh, they can do it, and I'll just kind of move this to another set when I'm doing something else. Right. But, um, yeah, like you'll see, that's the problem with some cities, too. Like New York comics have the problem, LA comics can have the problem that there's some piece of local-ish news that's mm -hmm. going on, and it's permeating. Everybody's got to mention it like the fucking city's got a broken arm and you have to explain the cast. Right, right. Yeah, that's irritating. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but you always... And so, oh, when I do Comedy Works in Denver, mm -hmm. the woman who runs Comedy Works is great. Oh, I love her. a great venue. And has her own, like, fucking, uh, like, rundown of who's an A comic and a B-list comic and a C-list comic. And, and uh, you go up the other way, like A or new, B or... Mm -hmm. For a while, C can actually feature. And she'll rotate the entire lineup every fucking show. Which is awesome for local comics, and I'm sure. glad she does it. And she I, works a lot of local comics. Totally, she's got one that she and she's got two clubs now, and they're both awesome. But as a headliner, it means I'm watching the entire show. Sure, every single show. Sure. Do you ever ask somebody to uh, take something out? 
the uh, that's the other reason I have people that I bring with me is that being on Queer as Folk, being on uh, like on on Lab Rats, my wife is black, my son is black. Mm-hmm. The um, I'm obviously super liberal. I have a liberal radio talk show host, right. you know, talk show that I do. I'm I'm not cool with punting soft racism or soft sexism or soft homophobia in the form of it's just a fucking joke. Who cares? Right, right. <clears throat> because I have audience from all three of those groups who are coming to see my show. Mm-hmm. Your show doesn't have to be clean. It doesn't, have, you know, but it must be to some degree devoid of hate of people who don't deserve it. Right. <laughs> you can hate humans in the abstract sure. for behaviors. But if you're like fucking Chinese people, you're not going to open for me, right? And you're and if you and if the club is booked you for the whole fucking weekend, I'll ask you to not say that. And if you do it again, I'll just have the club remove you because right. it's my fucking show. Sure, that's the way I look at it. But let's be honest, Chinese people, come on. Well, yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah. You know. But I, we're not on stage. Thank you, Murray. Um, I happen to speak Chinese. Huish wo zhong wen, you know? Sure, yeah, exactly. You. <laughs> grind this fucking uh, podcast Dude, to a halt you just by speaking Chinese. You could have fucking sang in Hebrew and I would have been like, okay. I can't sing in Hebrew. I wouldn't find those people. <laughs> um, see where I went? Isn't that great? <laughs> um, what, what, what do Hebrew people do? I don't know what Hebrew is. Um, Apparently they sing, Hal. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <clears throat> and quite well. <laughs> what, uh, you ever, you ever, what's your worst encounter with a drunk on, on, the, on the road? Um, club owner. Oh, wow. That yeah. sucks. So, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a series of clubs that shall remain nameless, but are named after an Arctic bird in <laughs> Iowa. There's three of them. And when you do the show, you do, uh, Thursday at one club, mm-hmm. Friday at the next club, Saturday at the, the other club. And they've got a rotation going through all weekend where you're doing basically one-nighters of the thing. Okay. And the owner drives you from each club. Oh, really? Yeah, but like after the show, they drive you to the next town, you stay in the hotel, they're only like maybe two hours away. Mm-hmm. But so you don't, so you can fly in and out of the same place. So on the, after the third city, you're kind of almost in a half semicircle, so you go back to the main city and you can fly out. Mm-hmm. The same day and they'll drive you back. They provide transportation. That's their way of providing ground transport. Huh? Okay, go on. We're whispering about the name. Not like <laughs> you can, can't fucking edit. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so um, it's more fun. It keeps it natural. Yeah, totally. Keeps it natural. So Friday night, we're at the second club. It's me and Chris Bono, and we've got one more. Chris has been on the show several times, yeah. I believe. And, uh, and Chris and I are doing. The, I'm surprised he didn't tell you this fucking show uh, about this one. We're, we got one more show the next night, uh, or two shows, I guess, on Saturday. And the we half like right between the first and second show, I noticed that the owner is like, you know, buying drinks for people at the bar and just kind of being nice mm-hmm. because the room is full, we're doing great. And he's just kind of in a cheerful mood. And then I noticed during my set that he, I see him do a shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in in my act, I'm on stage going, I think this motherfucker has to drive me someplace <laughs> in about 47 minutes. Right, right. Um... <laughs> Because we got to check in in our hotel before midnight or whatever. It's mm-hmm. a pain in the ass. So I think the idea was to get us there in time. <sighs> Stupid. Anyways. And, uh, and then he does it again. So I make kind of a joke about it. Uh, you know, we got a drink special. Well, we had a drink special, but the <laughs> owner just had all of them or some shit. And then 
literally at the end of the night, the staff's cleaning up the place. They're all super professional, and some of them are ferociously hot. Um, but we can't stick around because our hotel's not in that town right now. Now we're in another town. All right. And the fucking owner is out of his mind drunk, mm-hmm. like fall down. And I was like, um, and there's no manager. It's just him and like four right. waiters. And I'm like, if there was a fire right now, he'd die for sure. But a lot of people, like, there's nobody here who knows the fucking building going this way. Oh, like, right, okay. I mean, it's just a simple level of professionalism when you sure. run an organization where there are a bunch of people who themselves have rightly been drinking and enjoying their mm-hmm. evening, thinking that if shit went down, there are professionals who know the building right. who might take care of this. Hopefully no. that guy over... Oh, no. Oh, shit. Oh, right. oh, get off the floor. He was fucked up. And Chris and I had to bum a ride from two fans who were going to all the shows. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. These two girls like took us back to the hotel. We got our bags, got in the fucking thing, and they drove us because they, they were like, "We live closer to the other town," uh-huh. and we're like, uh, "Do you mind dropping us off at the Holiday Inn <laughs> or whatever?" So that was the worst drunk. Man, I, I never had a drunk owner. Yeah, oh, that was go lip, dude. Fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Waiting for an owner to pick you up is like oh. it's longer than it takes longer than like pumping gas. You know that like that last five seconds of gas is like an eternity, <laughs> right? Oh man, right. I remember just sitting in the middle of like Wisconsin at a bus stop, just shivering my ass oh, off. Fuck man, like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, no, I'll get it there. It's not no his priority as long as he gets you there by seven thirty. Yeah, you know it's noon. <laughs> Dude, we had this like I had a run where I was like. Um, due to like all kinds of like shifting managers and agents and 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 legal shit that I was having to deal with, that I was like running on fumes for like a month, like financially, um, when I was touring, and I was like, at one point I was like, I can't rent a car between here and the next town, and still be able to rent a car between here and the following town, which is a definite. Right. Like, because it was in the middle of fucking Pennsylvania. And there was no, like, bus there. Right. But there was a bus from Detroit to Cleveland or Daytona, I think, was where we were going. Dayton. Dayton, Ohio. That's what it was. So it was, uh, um, we're going from Detroit to Dayton, Ohio. And I'm like, we'll fucking greyhound it. That would be the easiest thing. It's the cheapest thing. And I can really, that way we can friggin' eat. Like, (laughs) I mean, it was that kind of a narrow point. And, the bus smelled like shit. Ugh. Not like, oh, it smells like shit in here. No. It smelled like shit. <laughs> like someone shit. Right. <laughs> Lots of someone's shit. And the driver must have been insane. Like, like one... Because there are people in mental institutions who are wiping fecal material all over themselves mm-hmm. who manage to make it, like, to get hosed down before lunch. <laughs> this guy gets into this fucking... This is his bus. Yeah. Like, he's assigned. I got 233. I don't want 233. I want 237. That's the one that smells like shit. <laughs> and it was, it was like, ghastly. And it was, like, two fucking hours of, like, breathing through your mouth until you could taste it and then, oh. just, and then breathing past your fingers on your nose for a while. <laughs> just feeling like, like, like a fucking Dan Aykroyd's wife in Trading Places. You know, she's in a police station waiting for him and the people are all stinky. And she's spraying them with perfume. You're like, I'm so fucking privileged to just be alive in my normal life. This is fucked up. And, uh, yeah, so that was... 
That was fucking brutal. Nasty business. And they had to man. pick us up from there, too, from the fucking Greyhound station. For that. <laughs> They're like, dude, you guys stink. <laughs> Shut up. Give me the club. <laughs> Give me the hotel. Yeah. Oh, I never spent any time on a Greyhound uh, anytime. Not even in... Uh, regular life. When I was a kid, my, that's how my parents actually did the what they call the exchange of prisoners when uh-huh. uh, when my parents were divorced and we split custody. So I would take a Greyhound bus to fucking Indianapolis, and one of them or the other would pick me up. Oh, okay. Because way between Chicago, you and split Kentucky. between Chicago and Kentucky, right? Yeah. So oh, you're a Chicago guy. Yeah. I've had a ton of Chicago people on here yeah, man. talking about the golden age of Chicago. Oh, Where were you in, in that? Dude, fucking. Do you know Mike Siegel we, by any chance? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Mike Mike said, oh, I, love, I love when he tells a story. He's, when he started, there was something like eight clubs in Chicago, and six months later, there were two. Two. Because he got started gone. so late. Uh, well, there was the boom, and the improv's the one that fucked it up for everybody. Oh, really? Yeah, because there was the funny firm. And there was Catch a Rising Star at the Sheraton, I think it was. Uh-huh. There was Zanies, which is still there to this day. Um, there was... Uh, fuck. Dangerfields? Yeah, there was a Dangerfields. Um, they did stand-up nights at Ditka's. There's a bunch of... like. It, it was a boom of comedy. Uh-huh. Luckily for me, because that's where the comedy contest that I won came from. Is that, like, everybody can do stand-up. Come on, kids! Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I was the only one with an adult act. That's why mm-hmm. I won. That was it. It was, like... Um, but... Yeah, there were tons of them, and Funny Firm was my favorite. Funny Firm is actually one of the ones where, if you know Bill Hicks lore, one of his big flip-outs, where he shits all over this woman for being a, you know, a dumb cunt. A Madonna fan or something like, is that the one? Yeah, he breaks out on her, and that's at the Funny Firm in Chicago. Okay. That's what that stage was known for. It was great, it's a blocky room, square stage, but there Mm -hmm. was enough space to actually use to do some shit. You didn't mm. have to stand there on a fucking dime. Like, you know, performing at Zany's is great and it's classic, but it's like being a store mannequin because you're literally in the front. That's what that place used to be at some point. And you're oh, literally, yeah. the stage is where they put the mannequins in the fucking window. Right. So there's a window behind you. It's just got a fucking black Plywood? <laughs> no, it's just curtain. Oh, okay. Behind you. Mm. 90 people, you know, in the, in that place. Um, and, and, but the, yeah, it was like you could just go and go and go, and so I would do my class at Second City, and then I would just stay downtown and do four friggin' sets. Oh, nice! Great. That sounds awesome. And uh, and then yeah, and then it dried up in a heartbeat. Luckily, it dried up around eighty eight, eighty nine, mm-hmm. and I graduated high school, packed all my shit in my car, and drove to L A. when I was like sixteen days after I graduated high school. Right. So I just. I was gone. Didn't matter that it. Oh, okay, so you missed. Away. You missed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, yeah. we got to wrap it up. Uh, just real quick, worst road story you can think of off the top of your head. Worst. By the way, it's fun catching up. Huh? By the way, it's yeah, fun catching up. We ran into a restaurant over here in Venice. Yeah. The other night called Gratitude. Yes. Cafe where the everything... most annoying restaurant, but goddamn, that food is good. It is. Oh, so this is if there was a restaurant, I would expect to run into Murray Valeriano <laughs> least in the city. It's Cafe Gratitude. What the big hippie uh, the establishment? Food, yeah, the food's ca- called like I am courageous. Oh, I hate it. I am empowered. Yeah. I am, which and, is the, you know. And when they give it to you. You, they go. You are empowered. Yeah, right. You are courageous. Yeah. And I remember the first time I went in there, and I was like, oh shit, the one on Larchmont. I'm like, fuck this, goddamn hippies. <laughs> and I look, I'm a vegetarian. I haven't been for 20 years. Yeah. But come on, enough's enough, all right? Well, it's based on the Gaia principle, the uh, the idea that in the Old Testament, God says, 
I am therefore uh, I, I am that I am that God's oh, is that what they... name is I am right so the infusion uh, from that in Gnostic mysticism is that you are we're all God we all create this universe and with every step we take, with every thought we have, uh, your life is your life and your movie and your experience and my life is mine. And they intermingle only in the most peripheral sense of experience. Would you like to hear the specials? Yeah, right. That's exact. <laughs> That's, yeah. And so it, it's based on the principle that by saying whatever you say, mm-hmm. if you say that I am, which is the name of God, and this is the theory, whether you believe it or not, this right. is what they're coming from. I am, if you say afraid, sick, sad, you manifest it like a fucking magic trick. You right. say it enough. That makes and, sense. And so they do the restaurant based on reversing that because the tidal wave of the rest of the world is um, getting you to say I'm sick over and over again. Right. It really is. Like that's, that's the, If there's a purpose for society, I think right now, it's to get you to wake up and go, I don't, I am oh, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, am, I yeah. don't feel good. Yeah. I feel bad. I am stressed. Right. I am overworked. Can I, or, can I have the I am nauseous? I am depressed. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And so, no, I know both. I didn't know that's where, I know that theory. I didn't know that's where that restaurant came from. That's right. That makes right. a lot so of there, sense. There is anyway, positive food thing. is there you go. No, you know, awesome. It is. It's great. Food is Fucking awesome. Fantastic. As a matter of fact, that's where I'm taking the wife for Mother's Day. Oh, that's lovely. That's where she wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Worst fucking, well, let's see. Worst road story. Oh, you think about that and I'll tell the story real quick. Yeah. So, and you can zone off to yourself because mm-hmm. you don't have to. <laughs> so I haven't seen Hal in, I think we said 15 years. We must have been, what, late 20s last time we talked. Single, young and stupid, probably. Mm-hmm. 15 years later, I walk into the restaurant holding a kid and Hal's holding a kid. I'm like, oh, you almost got the same age. You got one too? Yeah, <laughs> and right. Almost the same age. the first words out of your mouth. <laughs> you got one too? You got one of these too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what? Thanks, James. Camden, he's the fucking bomb. He's awesome. Cam, that's a good name. Um, I don't. Here's the thing, and I know comics that listen to this and comedy fans might even listen to this. I don't have any horrible road stories mm-hmm. that I didn't chalk up to. This is just early. This is what you got to do. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't regret any of them. I do have. Oh, and that's not the the purpose either. Like, yeah, oh, no. I really fucked up. No, man. It's it's stuff you go through and, and stuff you learn from and, and yeah I mean I and they get fewer and far between the better you get <laughs> that's yeah and and the better venues you end up yeah too I mean I did um, there used to be a place in Joliet Illinois called the TNT Comedy Hookup and it's an all black club mm-hmm. in um, what effectively looks like the rec center at a probation facility <laughs> hey. um, it is uh, in a dangerously violent part of town mm-hmm. but if you were serious about gigging and I did two years after I left Here Comes the Neighborhood. Uh-huh. Comedy that was show, our group. Our, our group. I um, made a commitment to myself mm-hmm. that I'm going to do stand-up every night for the next year. Mm-hmm. It ended up being two years. Mm-hmm. I did stand-up every single night for two years straight. And in L.A., that's a bitch. Oh, yeah. And a couple times I went back to Chicago to work, and I didn't have a show on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So I was like, where the fuck can I do a show? Because my last name is Sparks... Uh, early on, before I was known, I was often confused for black. Oh, really? No, I wasn't a black comic. More black people have the name Sparks than white people. Huh. It's still common-ish, but um, the, the there's a few reasons for that. But the but mainly, there was a series on called Sparks, which mm-hmm. started, it was, was about a black lawyer in the 90s. Okay. That kind of thing. So my name got me popped onto 
uh, a bunch of these sets. I did Mo Better Mondays at the Improv. Oh, I remember once, that. <laughs> and, <laughs> which was hilarious because I, I was opening with this baseball bit, and it was like, you guys like baseball? I hate baseball, which is <laughs> in, in front of a mixed or regular audience, that's fine. But in right. a singularly white guy doing a singularly black crowd, that seems like I'm doing my best to either uh, ingratiate or alienate, and that sure. does both. Right. Um, so... I, I, did, I did chocolate Sundays was my gig at the store comedy store. Well, sure, yeah. With white, a name, with a name like Murray, Sunday. with a name like Murray, I yeah, often right, get <laughs> right. Murray Valeriano. That's a, um, you, you. You sound like a, a Mooly, yeah. Moulinians, whatever. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, that's yeah. A perfect a mix. Yeah. Um, so, um, I I go down to do this thing, and I don't even remember the joke, but I heard a gun click. Ooh, I heard a mm-hmm. like a under the table like this did did not like this joke and i just changed direction and i was like that was almost the worst thing ever oh i got it i have the worst fucking road story ever this is it that's what i say all the time people come in and they're like i don't have any but when we get to talking i'm performing in dubai (laughs) okay okay and i'm doing a show with uh john lovitz and he and i are split headlining this show in dubai Mm -hmm. and we're both doing 45 minutes and John's more of a sketch guy than a stand-up. So he's like, if you want to do, you know, 55, fit something, <laughs> you can do that. And um, so I go up first uh, in deference to his age and the fact that he was in a League of Their Own. And um, I do my set. It's great. During one of my jokes, somebody way in the back, who I barely see, gets up and storms out. Mm-hmm. And... The whole place is, I, I saw a laugh, it's a great show. Most of it's expats, and a lot of them are Scottish and Irish right. who are working as construction guys down there. So they need to see some, you know, some Anglo comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm doing this show, and it's great. Da, da, da. And then I walk off stage, and they're like, um, before you introduce John, because we want you to bring him up, you need to know that um, a shake that was in the audience was offended by something that you said and he's reported you to the religious police and they're, <laughs> is this a Monty Python sketch? no and they're on their way um, the worst case scenario you could do six months in jail and Ooh. pay a $25,000 fine the best you can hope for is you'll be here for another three days um, and I was shooting at that time so I had to like I was literally like you know it was right. like a 48 hour 72 hour turnaround of some bullshit I had to get back and I was like, what the, What did I say? And like, we don't really know, but he called them and they're coming. But can you go up and introduce John? When you come back, we'll try and work it out. We may be able to smooth it over, but it's going to be rough because this guy's a heavy hitter. Right. Because these tables were bought out for like, you know, $60,000 a piece for mm-hmm. some of their like top line executives. And they're, and the and the shakes are all listening. I don't understand the word of this <laughs> fucking bullshit, but if you guys like it, I guess. It's, okay. We spend the money. That's what yeah, we right. do. What we, we spend do. the money. So uh, I go up there. I introduce John. While I'm introducing John, these two fuckers in pillbox hats and white, beautiful linen jackets with a sidearm. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like a Chewbacca drape across there. Yeah. Like a tight sash. Yeah. Um, and, and a little bag which probably has a taser and, and nail pullers in them. I do love a tight sash, though. Yeah, right. I do. <laughs> and um, they, they march down the aisle of the theater and head backstage. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the thing like, oh, like they just hate seeing those guys right. around. But they're, they walk right backstage to where I've got to walk off and go down and, and uh, after I'm done introducing John. So I, 
Um, while I'm up there, I'm like, and I'm trying to do the intro that John wants me to do where he mentions, you know, I imagine him telling the part where I play Hitler. Say the part where I hit. The only Jew to ever play it. Make sure you play <laughs> So I'm trying to put this shit together. And the fucking religious police have just come to get me. So they go backstage. And I introduce her and go, ladies and gentlemen, John Lovettson. Instead of walking back, I walk straight off the corner steps of the stage and right out the back of the theater. <laughs> I head straight. Yeah, I just leave. <laughs> I just go out there. Because in the in the lobby, I had merch set up mm-hmm. to sell after my show that I trucked all the way from the States. And I'm like, I'm going to need every dime I have for a band. Right, right. And so I go out there. And there were people who came out automatically that really liked it. And they, were, uh, they wanted pictures and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do this stuff until whatever happens. Mm-hmm. After about 10 minutes, these guys realized I was not coming back. Like right. they, so they come out. Right as they come out, they've got this fucking shake in tow, and he's livid. He's fucking, this guy, you know. And I, they walk out right as I'm taking a picture with this enormous shake. The mm-hmm. dude was like 6'5", just huge shoulders, just a giant man. And his wife, who's wearing a full burqa and hijab, she mm-hmm. can't see her at all, right. just her eyes. And I, he wants a picture like an American picture with my arms around both of them, but I can't touch her, so I've got to do hover <laughs> arm on her, but I can touch him. It's the weirdest thing. And I'm taking a picture right as they walk out. I'm And I didn't notice it till later, but the dude I was taking a picture with had like really fine gold leafing on the band that holds his, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, his headgear. Yeah, his headgear. His I don't know on. what it's called. Yep. And the, these guys both stand there and they look at this kind of for a second. These both these cops. I'm like, fuck, man. Here it comes. I'm trying to smile for this picture. Mm-hmm. I can see him out of the side of my fucking <laughs> eye. And I'm like, oh, this is it. And here it comes. And they literally go. If this man said anything that was offensive, this man would not be taking a picture of, with him. Are you saying that Sheikh what, Mahalad, what his name was, um, would allow himself to be taken a picture with if, if this man had said something that was offensive to, you know, and, and the dude, the other Sheikh, who was not as big a deal as whoever right. I was taking a picture with, just started backtracking. No, I must have misunderstood. I mean, <laughs> just think it's, these people should mind their, you know, P's and Q's when they're around. That kind of thing. I don't think he said P's and Q's. I think <laughs> I threw that in. No, but he was he basically started like tap dancing right. to keep himself out of hot water and not embarrass this other shake who was getting a picture taken with me who didn't leave um and they let me uh you know that's awesome oh sweet and they turned around and watched uh john set for about 10 minutes like just to observe Uh and they fined him i think twenty five thousand dollars for saying jew too much right (laughs) <laughs> and another 50000 for doing the Bob Saget's a uh, faggot song. Yeah. Oh, no, that they were fine with. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you can oh, okay. call somebody a faggot. That's oh, okay. fine. They were like, they're fine with you being all awful. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just don't call uh, Sheikh Khalifa, the head of the UAE, that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's good to you know. know. You can call anybody else that. It's not the, that word that they have a problem oh, with. All right. Um, it, they don't even have a problem with doing it. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> they have a problem being labeled it. Right. That's fascinating. Okay, so uh, the joke was. Oh, okay. I found out later okay. what the joke was. So I was one of the first people to go up in the Burj Khalifa, mm-hmm. the, the actual tower, okay, which is just a giant uncircumcised cock. <laughs> 
these people built the tallest building in the world. <laughs> and, it, and it just looks like it's like it's supposed to be a lotus flower spinning to the tip. It just looks like a giant uncircumcised right, right. And by the way, they wanted to put a mall at the base that you could do shopping at so because it's the greatest you know place to live in the world. But they wanted to build uh, bigger than the biggest mall. I guess bigger is always yeah, better of course. Of course, when you're building the world's largest uncircumcised cock in the middle <laughs> of the desert. And so they they took the plans for the um, the uh, Mall of America, which at that time was the biggest mall in mm-hmm. the world, and they just built two of them. We'll just attach them. Right. Well, the Mall of America, if you don't know, is round. So at the base <laughs> of the Burj Khalifa, there are two giant testicles of shopping goodness. So uh, this guy, um, uh, Jack Dempsey, uh, is uh, the he runs the Burj Khalifa. He used mm-hmm. to run the Chicago Sears Tower. There's only like nine guys in the world who can make sure these giant buildings don't fall over. Right. Because there's all sorts of bullshit you have to deal with. Not just planes hitting them, but they shift and the weight of them is incredible and you have to watch the ground for miles around. It's right. a big deal. And so it, he's... And, and I knew him because of Chicago. My dad's an architect. So he was there and it was just that he came to my show and he was mm-hmm. like, if you want to go up, we haven't opened it yet. Oh, awesome. So you can go up. And I've been in all of the tallest buildings in the world now. Oh, cool. Even the Taipei one? Mm-hmm. Oh, Taipei 101. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've been, yeah, I've been down. I've even seen the bumpers, the the dampers that they have in the corners that keep that are all color-coded so that they know which one to run to if one of them fails. Oh, really? Instead of going, <laughs> number three. Which one's number three? They go, red, and they all run red. So, um, yeah, I've been to all of them. Uh, again, I speak Chinese. I do, if I can see. Hey, man. Hey. I just. Hey. I, hey. I, hey. I, so, I, <laughs> So, um, so I go. You, you take a little you ride through the balls, and you go up in the Burj Khalifa, and you go up to the top of the viewing deck. And I got up to the higher, like the big heavy hitter deck, which was mm-hmm. awesome. They have a gift shop, like you have, of course, of course. Now it's the Burj Khalifa, so you would think they would have like you know gold lip leafed nipple covers, and mm-hmm. all, you know, and and whatever like hooker chains or whatever kind of awful. Uh, <laughs> And they, but they just have fucking golf towels and and golf tees right. and and, uh, and polo shirts like <laughs> shitty polo shirts and and like I brought back a bunch of dumb shit like a knife shaped like a guitar right like just the crappiest buy it from from China of all places and just tack your name on it with. sure all of it said Burj Dubai on it now for those people that don't know the Burj Dubai was the original name of the tower but it, they couldn't afford to finish it so Sheikh Khalifa. The head of the UAE gave them $10 billion Jeez. to finish this thing. Just gave them $10 billion. Now, to thank him, they named the tower after him. Sure. $10 billion, He is now named you know, the tallest uncircumcised cock in the world. <laughs> is named after, and I'm sure that wasn't lost on him. Uh, by the way, I brought this up at in my act. Uh-huh. This was not the offensive part, that it was the giant uncircumcised cock with the two giant balls at the bottom of it. As a matter of fact, that was in the newspaper there the next day <laughs> that from space it looks like a giant dick and isn't that funny. <laughs> American comedian points out that and they're like, hey, fuck hell, it hey, Look at that. Oh my God. What <laughs> right. the fucking, what the, why are we on? We did, we worked on this thing for 16 years. Let me see those plants again. Come Oh, that it is. I see it now. So, totally true. It was in the newspaper the next day. So, <laughs> I so, but all the stuff in the gift shop. This dude fucking gave them ten billion dollars. All these shitty knickknack bullshit. Not a gold leaf box. Not right. stuff that's hard to change. All of it said Burj Dubai on it. And I'm like, and I, I even said that you know I've got to go up and when I was making all my jokes about it being a giant cock yeah. and balls and all this kind of stuff, I went I went up to the 
um, uh, got some uh, gift shop stuff there, or whatever. Noticed it still says Burj Dubai on it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a dick move, don't you think? Right. You know, it's kind of an insult to Monsieur Khalifa. It gives you ten billion dollars, and you can't even fucking change his name on a golf tee. Pulp that shit and order some <laughs> new stuff by tomorrow. He gave you ten billion dollars. So that's the essence of the joke. Got a big laugh, and everybody realized that that was true. And sure. They'd all just been up in it because half of them built the goddamn right, right. thing. And they're like, it does. What a <laughs> shitty thing. <laughs> You know what the guy's problem was? I said Monsieur Khalifa and not Sheikh Khalifa. Oh. That was what was going to get me thrown in jail for six months. Huh. Monsieur. Well. And I was like, okay, dickhead, this is how a differential joke works. I'm in that moment not being me saying mm-hmm. Sheikh Khalifa. I'm being the guy who's fucking Sheikh Khalifa out of his own goddamn golf tees. Right, right. Took his $10 billion to fix the fucking tower and didn't do anything about it. And that goes to, I think, a comedy thing that a lot of comics run into, which is saying something a dick says as yourself to make the point right. that a dick is saying it. And people in the audience who aren't on board or going, I think we'll have the... The mozzarella sticks, and they come in half joke. Monsieur, what? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And going, did he call him Monsieur? Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Comics run into that shit all the time. Oh, yeah. People can't separate. They just can't separate it. They yeah. hear the buzzword, mm-hmm. the panic button, the panic word, and then they stopped fucking... using the word Bush in my act a long time ago <laughs> and started talking about uh, um, unless you have cows, if a cowboy hat is an asshole hat. It's mm-hmm. just an asshole in that hat. It's only a cowboy hat if you have some fucking cows. Right. And any dipshit who wears that fucking hat and doesn't have any cows is a fucking moron. And <laughs> <laughs> just went at it. And Bush was, it was all over the news clearing Bush, clearing brush in With his fucking cowboy hat. hat. Yeah. And that was all I needed to do. If I said Bush is a fucking moron, he doesn't have any cowboys, all these ears would just shut down. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't laugh at the joke and they would also be on his side more. Who had the joke? Well, it might have been Judy Toll who had the joke about when you see a guy in a cowboy hat in Los Angeles, the only horse he's ever been on is heroin. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been Judy. I don't know. It's from back then. I remember that. But hey, man, I want to thank you for coming by today on a Saturday afternoon um, and giving up some of your time for this. Getting out of the rain and the LA. The drizzle. Yeah, the drizzle last night. Just overcast. You know, we could use the rain, Hal. We did have rain yesterday. We could use it. We We could use some more. All right. I'm not some... pro drought all this <laughs> Listen, I don't, you I don't like halfway and drew the line in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can we catch you? Um, uh, gosh, well, I they, I just had to punt a bunch of dates because I'm they extended lab rats, mm-hmm. uh, and so we're we're shooting and shooting and shooting right now, and we're the only thing that beat us in the ratings on our launch this year was Empire. So, and for a little you know kid channel right. show that's ridiculous that's great so we're not going anywhere anytime soon oh that's we're good sticking around doing this um that being said i'm at arlington cinema draft house um this summer i'm at helium in philadelphia this summer i'm in helium's uh, probably my favorite clubs yeah, i love i love portland helium portland i haven't done buffalo yet though or, i've done buffalo it's great yeah yeah i like that one a lot um helium was the first club where comics went i love that fucking club and it actually turned out to be good yeah. most of the time when a comic goes ah oh, dude i love this club, you go, oh, cool, I'll go there. And you're like, this place is a fucking dumb. Right. He loved it because he got laid. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. oh, club's awesome. Yeah. The waiters have drugs. Yeah, right. This is let's, really hot chick with shitty eyesight. Yeah. Um, club's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's all get together on the word awesome here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, Helium's great. I'm, I'm definitely doing that. And then I'm doing um, uh, Bellevue Live downtown Seattle this summer as mm-hmm. well. 
Um, we had to shuffle the dates because of obviously what uh, you know my shooting schedule, which is always an odd thing. Awesome. Um, and then yeah, onward and upward. Housesparks.com. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Housesparks on Twitter. All right. Um, I jumped in early on all these fucking things. And then, um, ah, oh, dude, you were, and I I tell this story to this day. You were you build a website before anybody else I knew, mm-hmm. and I remember you telling me one day we're gonna watch movies on our computer, yeah. and me just. The perfect example of my life and career. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Who's, you're never going to be able to replicate the movie experience. What are you talking about? Right. Cut to. Haven't been to the movie in two years. <laughs> fucking right. watch it. I got a flat screen and a surround sound. Right. Fucking screeners right. from the guild. Yeah. Using, <laughs> yeah. Using it, popping it off my fucking iTunes on my laptop. Yeah. 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 So you were way ahead of the curve mm-hmm. on everybody. Well, on you're that. named after a computer. You kind of got to be oh, on true. the edge, man. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for thanks, coming man. by. Uh, guys, thanks again for listening. Uh, what's Bill my Burr next? And Al and all those guys that said hi. Oh, I will. Yeah, man. Yeah. For good, sure. Good Al's awesome. Yeah, he Al's great. In Texas. Yeah. He's a good person. Um, uh, Bill, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a run in with in person ever. Um, yeah. I will be, I guess the next, I guess I'll be at the improv in Vegas, speaking of bud. And then, uh, murrayvalero.com at murrayv on Twitter and, uh, rusty cows now on iTunes and Amazon. I know, uh, I it. and Hal tweeted it <laughs> and a very clever tweet. Go back and see Hal's tweet. Uh, thanks again, Hal. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah. You want to know about life on the road? It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns And fees, fights, canceled flights, running with the runs And blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette <laughs> Drunks in the front, making out for your set And middle acts doing blow more missing merch And drive the rental car past another mega church And juice keys, vagina fists, your cell phone is gone One big law and order marathon